Welcome to Veterans in Academics. This podcast highlights people and topics where the veteran experience and academia overlap. Join your host, Dr. Luke McLeese, in this groundbreaking content. Each week, we explore new stories, topics for you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Veterans and Academics. I'm your host, Dr. Luke McLeese, and today we have our very special guest, Keith Dow. Keith is from the Dead Reckoning Collective and has recently released a book. Keith, welcome to the show, sir. Luke, that intro is something else, man. Just wild. Somewhere between academics and Alex Trebek, like, it's it's a it's an odd gift killing it it's a beautiful thing i love it it's an odd gift we usually just do a weird on on the podcast like when we decide to do one we just you know say like hey how's it going man like real awkward after we've been talking to somebody for 20 minutes so uh doing well man how are you beautiful 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 (laughs) i'm glad i'm glad you're here i'm glad you're gonna add to this um just so just so everyone knows, we're going to be talking a lot about informal learning and literacy today, and I feel like Keith is one of the best people to represent uh, this intersection of, you know, kind of an informal personal reading and being involved in literature and the veteran experience. So, Keith, give, give, the, pe- give the people a little something. Give them a little hook. Yeah. <laughs> Man, a little, a little bit of a, a jack of all trades. We we've talked about it so much that uh, that we'll really have to dial it back and slow it down and um, reel it in. I'm sure throughout the the course of this episode. But um, I'm a New Englander, uh, born in Massachusetts, raised in New Hampshire, and then kind of bounced around all over. Um, Army veteran, five years active duty, uh, 2008 to 2013. Um, and then when I got out, I did an undergrad, I uh, did a Bachelor of Human Services, um, took a few years off to uh, work odd jobs, just like I did before I did my undergrad, uh, and then um, jumped into the, the clinical world, uh, completing a Master of Social Work. Um, so I'm still, still working on that. Um, so, and I mean, as far as the concept of the podcast, I never thought that I would be a veteran, nor would I be a veteran in academics um but uh here we are wild stuff right wild <laughs> it's stuff. crazy so all right so let me ask you something to get started so when your background is really you know like you mentioned you, you're you're talking social work and and that type of stuff however you guys are publishing fictional works you're publishing poetry short stories how how did this interest for you uh how did this evolve how did how did you come to you know love this so much that you wanted to actually put stuff out there for people to consume um i think i mean as far as our our genres and stuff uh we really try to try to dig into you know like you said poetry fiction different you know different different types of literature because uh what society wants from veterans tends to be just what what they want and you know not what they're willing to accept um you know we we see it all the time on the news where a 
current event happens like most recently in Afghanistan. And we see uh, veterans asked questions, you know, giving answers, and then that's it. Then it's crickets. Then nobody cares about the issues that they actually want to bring to the table or anything after that. They just, they just want their two cents uh, in the heat of the moment. Um, and I think literature for veterans is the same thing. You know, everybody wants to read the Navy SEAL tell all of whoever is, is in the buzz at the time. Uh, but nobody really cares if, you know, Luke McLeese writes a novella about um, something totally unrelated. Um, so we, we really want to highlight those stories. We really want to get at uh, veterans creativity, whether it has to do with their military experience or not, uh, which is why we, we cater specifically to veteran authors, veteran poets. That's very, very powerful because uh, you're right. Like a lot of times from the outside looking in, you know, and especially the civilian only population, what is happening, first of all, in a veter- the veteran experience is kind of blurred just with an active military experience. Right. And then it, it becomes this big spectacle. And you're right. If if we don't, uh, as a group of people, supply the popular narrative with a soundbite, and a soundbite that fits into what they're assuming, then it's yeah. like they, we're not given a voice. So this is very, very powerful. And to push, just take this population, push past that and say, look, people are doing creative things and hey, they just happen to be veterans. Yeah, right. But right. life is going on. Very cool. Very cool. So now tell us a little bit, take us back to before all this, before where we are now, way before Let's talk about what motivated you to join the military. What, what, what kind of sparked this idea in your head? Um, we have, Dead Reckoning Collective has a friend named uh, Mike Nafo who had started his own blog um, and it fell off a bit, but he had this really cool series called The Other, the Other Reasons. Um, if you're not familiar, I think he's still got it up on the internet somewhere. Um, but the idea of the series was the, you know, to highlight the stories of those that deviated from the typical, the towers fell and I enlisted, um, you know, and while that is honorable, uh, you know, we had, we had a whole nation answer the call. Um, there are many people who, where, where that description didn't quite fit. You know, um, I only joined, I, I graduated high school in 2005. I was a freshman in high school when the towers fell. Uh, but I graduated high school in 2005 and I was a recruiter's worst nightmare from 2001 to 2005. I did not like, and, and I also, you know, I was a poor kid in a uh, fairly wealthy and more liberal community, um, you know, university town. Um, and they were, the school board was actually so liberal that like recruiters couldn't actually come into school. Um, so I did not have the same exposure, you know, I, I don't know. I, I had a weird, I, I've thought about it a lot. I, I had a weird, you know, where, where military recruiters typically um, appeal to the lower income, uh, you know, high school student right. um, in America. I didn't have that experience necessarily because they, they couldn't even come in school, but I definitely didn't have anything going for me. I didn't, um, I, by my senior year, uh, I had friends, uh, like, you know, three friends in school, uh, cause I was mostly bouncing around uh, the new England hardcore scene, but I, um, 
I had like maybe three friends in school and then also friends, you know, that were the same age, but that went to, to other schools throughout New England. And they were like, oh, I got accepted to such and such a school. And I didn't even know at that point that I was supposed to be applying because nobody, you know, I didn't have my parents like pushing me to, to go to school. Right. Um, so I was like, oh, shit, like, I guess I should probably do something. Um, and so I worked, I worked for a bit. I toured with a band for a bit. Um, then around 2000, like late 2007, <clears throat> I was working at a bar, uh, and I had two friends that had just gotten home. I also worked with a bunch of, uh, dude, it was a college bar. So, you know, two friends that I had gone to high school with that had just gotten home. Um, one was pretty badly injured in Iraq and the other had done, you know, a really quick, uh, Marine Corps contract, um, several deployments back to back and, and then got out. Uh, but I also worked with like a bunch of college students who were Marine reservists, like, you know, guys that had like taken off, taken a year off to go to Fallujah, uh, like in the midst of their undergrad. Right. Um, and it was kind of my first exposure to, you know, aside from like, um, relatives who had served decades prior, it was my first exposure to like close proximity to someone I knew who had served, um, in the current, like in the current conflict. Right. And, uh, I was working at a bar and I was also a, uh, one-on-one -on -one paraprofessional for, uh, a child being placed on the spectrum. Um, okay. and, and just kind of a floater at a, at a preschool. So I was working two very different jobs. Uh, I was, you know, I was bouncing, bouncing at night and I was, you know, working, working with a, a an kid. ASD kid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and toddlers and stuff. And, uh, because I had, you know, I'd considered, uh, oddly enough, I had previously considered social work. So I was always kind of drawn to that kind of work, but, um, but that was the motivation to work in that kind of environment was to, to do something like with, you know, child and youth services or something like that. But, um, I was working very different, you know, super different industries and I was working a lot. I was working like 60, 70 hour weeks. Um, but I just, at that point when I found, um, those friends and, you know, started hearing their stories. I'm like, like, I'm not doing anything. Like, I felt like I was not accomplishing anything. I was not contributing to anything. Um, I was just working and, and doing whatever. Um, and so I started thinking about it. I was, uh, living with my friend Ryan at the time and he and I actually simultaneously without discussing it at all, like, you know, I came home one day, he was drinking a beer on the couch we sat down and one of us said it and the other was like, yeah, I've been thinking about it too. You know, one of us was like, I'm thinking about joining the military. Um, both of us went to uh, the Marine recruiters and uh, they said we already had too many tattoos. It was like, this was 2008. So I think like oh, 2006, right. they had That's where was that weird, right. That's yeah. the weird Marine Corps <clears throat> tattoo, which is the most ironic thing ever, but yeah. for another <laughs> show. Yeah, I think it was like 2006. They changed things because some honor guard dude, uh, you know, got spotted by a senator with a neck tattoo or something like that. So, uh, so we were already out of the game for that. We we're, you know, our name was not in that hat, and uh, so we just went down the hall to the the army dudes, um, and that was real. Like, you know, I was 21. And as smart as I thought I was, I still made all the same mistakes that probably an 18 year old kid would make. Um, but you know, for better or for worse. And now, now we're here. 
<laughs> Excellent. So yeah, man. So I, yeah, I, I can see the Marine Corps didn't see that coming, especially someone from the New York hardcore scene, right? Like <laughs> the, the tattoo, the tattoo policy, which was just, yeah, this is just crazy. So, so you made your way to the army recruiter though. And what ended up, what, what did you choose for uh, MOS? I was an MP. It was, which was like the worst. Uh, I, I, and like I said, like, you know, I, like it did not fit my personality type. Uh, but the recruiter was like, yeah, like it's good, applicable job experience. No, it's not. And, uh, <laughs> and he's like, and you'll deploy, you know, you'll, you'll deploy and do like not MP stuff, but then you'll also do, you know, you'll get like security and law enforcement experience and stuff for, you know, there'll be good bullets for a resume. Um, and I was like, cool. And it came with a bonus. So, <clears throat> and like Ryan, Ryan did the same thing. Ryan started as like, uh, he ended up in regiment, but he, uh, he picked like comsec repair and okay. uh and he was a machine i think he was a machinist before that so it wasn't like crazy different for him um it was still something technical and stuff but like super boring mos uh he hated it off the jump but um it came, again it came with a bonus and like we didn't know shit so i think that's the age-old tale uh nowadays with the internet there's so many kids who are like, oh, like option 40, like 18X, like they know, they know exactly what is available to them. And I mean, it's going to be less and less now, but uh, the internet has definitely changed the game. I feel so bad for recruiters who <laughs> would have previously been able to just push kids through, but you know, level playing field now. I mean, it's, it's so true. And I see it all the time. It's like, the thing is, you know, early 2000s, there was stuff online, but not like now. And people weren't talking about it like they are. Yeah. And, you know, now it's happening everywhere. It's on Reddit. It's on Discord servers. You know, I mean, and these, the, like you said, these, these people are comparing what the recruiters telling them, experiences, you know, getting all these details. And <laughs> it's a different world for sure. For yeah, sure. So your time as an MP, t tell us some about that. Like, um, were how were your deployments? Where were you stationed primarily, and and what was your time like? Because you said you had five years. Did yeah, you I did five years. It was um, it was quick. Like I, I was single, so um, it was it was pretty uncomplicated. Um, I did my first three years. You know, did basic in AIT at uh, Fort Leonard Wood. Um, thanks the lucky stars i i was not uh stationed in missouri um because that that period was enough for sure and then um i got put at fort lewis i was like one of out of a whole company i was one of like maybe three or four um that landed at lewis um and i didn't know anything about washington i didn't know anything about the west coast um and i was just you know, just green. Um, but fell in love with Washington, fell, fell in love with the Northwest. Super cool duty station. Um, and deployed from there from 2009 to 2010 um, to Iraq. We had, we were supposed to go to Afghanistan. We went to NTC with, uh, with one of the striker brigades. I think it was 5-2. Um, and we were supposed to go with them to be their PSD. And then, like, overnight, like, as we were getting on the plane to go back to Washington, um, our orders changed, uh, like, that night. Uh, right. And our, our company had come down on orders for Iraq, so we got pulled for that. 
Um, so deployed from 2009 to 2010. Uh, and when we got back, we did like some of the law enforcement stuff, got to see like the absolute worst side of the army, tons of domestics, tons of child abuse, um, DUIs, uh, you know, just, just everything that the, the U S army has to offer. Um, sure. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> so, but I also got to see like, you know, the, the good side of it. I got to see that like, you know, there, I, I can't remember. I, I really don't take stock in anything like uh, fundamentally that I learned as, as an MP in terms of like, you know, unit cohesion or any, like uh, esprit de corps or whatever. Uh, but like of the troops for the troops for sure always resonated. And I always made sure to hammer that into other people when they were like acting like, you know, with some kind of us against them mentality. Um, Cause the coolest part of that job is that it is like, you know, it is law enforcement. It, it is in house. Like that is in right. where where other people are critical of um, of the way that the public and the police interact. Like, you know, the the police are the people, and the people are the police. Like that that is what it's supposed to be. Fundamentals of law enforcement. Um, that that's what that's what we should be going towards. Um, which is you know probably never going to happen. Which is again why I, I switched switched industries after that. But that was that was the one component of uh, you know being an MP that I did enjoy was that I was able to you know I had first sergeants on speed dial I had like I was able to you know um, grab grab a drunk soldier like pass down in front of uh, a club in Italy and throw him in the back of a patrol car and and run him home so um, you know different things like that and just keeping keeping things uh, we all know that a paper trail in the army is a career ender so. Right. You know, if you're able to help somebody out that way um, and problem solve and stuff like that and, you know, work with the ch chain of command where like that dude's just going to get dusted off and he's going to figure it out uh, versus the first fuck up goes on paper and they're on a plane home. Right. That's it. Right. right? Um, so, yeah, lots of lots of different experiences like that. Um, but for sure, like the nasty side of the army, both on the. Uh, the administrative side, uh, like I said, where, you know, a piece of paper sends you home and, and also like on the individual, you know, on the, on the micro side where each, um, each family is different, but like, you definitely see a lot of it. You see a lot of domestic violence. You see a lot of, a lot of substance abuse, a lot of, uh, really, really nasty shit. Um, so no, no allusions to, to what, uh, what goes on in the ranks. Right, right, right. And, you know, so there's, there's another that's a that's an interesting stereotype you know from the outside looking in people are always like oh you're in the military oh it's so honorable everybody's doing you know and it's like okay well there's truth to that there's also the population is just it's a petri dish excuse me of the entire u.s population yeah. right so you literally have everyone from all walks of life who uh just like in the civilian world are perpetuating these crimes and it's unfortunate. Those are the same people that think Vanessa Gillen was the first bad thing to happen at Fort Hood and the last right. bad thing. Right, 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 right. Which, I mean, <clears throat> definitely demands a lot of attention, but you're right. There have been, you know, a, there's a long history all, at every base, but I mean, especially that one. But, you, yeah. know, <laughs> you know, everywhere. That's a great point. So tell us, so after, you know, after you had this experience as an MP and 
uh, like you mentioned, uh, you decided to kind of change careers, so to speak. What was transition like for you? What was it like getting out of the army and coming back to the civilian world? And, and what were you doing? Um, I have a history of making things more difficult on myself than me be. Um, oh, I'm glad I'm not the only weird. Yeah, it's a weird thing. Um, it's like a, a kink or something. I, I'm not sure. Like, I just, I, I like making things harder. Uh, so I moved to Canada for uh, roughly a decade after I got out of the military. So um, everything was more difficult. Everything um, in terms of like, and I took a maybe, <clears throat> it was definitely less than a year. Um, I think I started my, yeah, it was like, I, I started my undergrad in um, January of 2014. So it was less than a year. It was like six months maybe before I started school. And I really started school because I didn't know what uh, I was going to do. And I, I was starting um, that immigration process uh, while, you know, and just waiting on on that stuff because it's no, no simple thing. Um, but every question I had, uh, like my school had a certifying official. I was able to use my GI bill. Right. Um, but like every question I had was a first and every question, it wasn't like a lot of schools in the U S where there's an office, you know, right. for veterans, um, like your job, you know, like where like you have someone specifically like there for veteran, you know, veteran interactions and stuff. Um, we had a certifying official, but like every question I had, she would have to, e you know, email or call somebody else, um, within the VA or something like it was not simple. Um, and I got very used to like every question I asked being the first time anyone was asked that question. Um, and I'm not done. Like that is, that is still very much a, uh, a, a recurring theme in my life. Um, <laughs> they're like, Oh, you know, it's like in, in anything, like I just, um, the circumstances I have placed myself in regularly, <clears throat> people are like, I've never heard that one. I'm like, well, well, I've heard that one before, but, um, but yeah, so transition was difficult. Uh, I isolated myself, you know, from like most people come home and they're still isolated from other veterans. I isolated myself super hard from other veterans unintentionally, you know, not realizing that that was a thing. I did connect with some, excuse me, um, some uh, Canadian veterans uh, right off the hop. Um, and that was cool, you know, being able to kind of find some common ground, but also uh, embrace each other's differences and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, kind of tribe up in that way. Um, that was cool. And then uh, also just, you know, Going to school when you're older, whether, whether you're a veteran or, or not, um, going to school when you're older is always beneficial. You know, you know what you're there for. You're not there to fuck around. Um, you know what's at stake. Uh, you have usually you have the immediate respect of professors because you are there on time. You're not wearing sweatpants like, right. you know, they're just stoked to have like the company mm -hmm. of another grown up somewhere in the classroom. So um, I, I found school to be, uh, and I've talked to, and I understand why other, other veterans find academics to be a negative experience. And I also relate to that strongly. Um, but my experience overall was positive. Um, and, you know, continuing into my master's, I have found really nothing but positive experiences. 
um, even, you know, even in a program like a master of social work, where the majority of professors are going to have much more liberal um, beliefs and values than, than any, anything else. And assumptions may be made. I've had no experience where I haven't been, you know, absolutely embraced and oftentimes like pushed toward the front, like, Hey, Keith, what is your opinion on this? Which typically I hate, but in my master's program, I found it to be like very focused and very, um, very intentional. Hey, like, you know, this is specific to you. Like what, what has your experience been? And if I have nothing, like, I'm not like chastised for it. They're just like, Oh, well, you know, thought me thought maybe you have something, but, um, you know, if you, if you come across anything else, let us know. Like right. it's all, it's all been, you know, right. all my academic experiences really have been uh, phenomenal. And, and I always pump it up and like, you know, use your GI bill, go, go to school. Um, it, it is an underutilized uh, VA benefit. And um, the, the one friend that you have who said they had a terrible experience in school, like probably didn't go in with an open mind, probably wasn't ready to go to school. I know, you know, and I know that, like I can put myself there too, because when I graduated high school, I was not ready to continue my education. I wasn't ready to start my education when I started high school. Like, right. like I said, like veterans and academics is not something I'd ever thought I would discuss. Um, so, yeah. So let me ask you, uh, your master's, was that in a Canadian school as well? No. So I started okay. it, um, while I was still up there, uh, back in the States now, but, um, I started it while I was up there. It's all, you know, I kind of, I really dug for programs. Um, and so it's a, it's a U.S. school uh, doing my master's. I'm taking a semester off right now, but um, my, uh, my master's is through the University of New England. So it's actually a New England-based school um, out of Maine. I got to visit the campus for the first time a couple months ago. And it's all online except for my field placements. Uh, I just completed my first one with 107 Foundation. Oh, awesome um yeah it's been been super super cool um so yeah. okay so that's cool because i was going to ask i was going to ask is you know have any of your military experiences informed what you're doing now with your masters but obviously uh and for tell, tell the listeners for those that don't know about 107 foundation uh tell them what they do and and then i, I would like to know kind of what you were doing for your clinical round there yeah, so 107 Foundation is a uh, veteran all-volunteer um, nonprofit that uh, specifically works with veterans affected by toxic exposure. Um, so most people, when they hear toxic exposure, immediately think of burn pits. Right. Um, but uh, it goes way, way beyond that. Um, you know, anything, rotor wash, you know, expended ammunition, um, blast exposures, um, you know, different chemical exposures, exhaust fumes, like all, all kinds of stuff. Uh, we have, when you really break it down, um, understanding your exposures in the military is super important because we are around a lot of dirty, dirty shit all the in time. a lot of dirty, dirty places, right. you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, fast forward uh, 20 years of war and we're seeing like, mid guys you know guys and girls in their mid-20s uh with like leukemia you know what is that there's and there there are patterns emerging so uh do a lot of relief work uh, a lot of outreach work community education 
Um, and the organization as a whole, like one of the big things that we're, we're invested in is uh, medical research. Um, we're, we're the only uh, toxic, toxic exposure targeting uh, organization that is, that is actually doing uh, research. So um, super cool organization. I was able to do a lot of that community education, a lot of outreach work, um, some of the policy and legislation side. Uh, kind of collaborating with um, staffers and uh, and congressmen and women. So, um, yeah, really, really cool experience. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Definitely powerful work. Man, I'm glad you had that experience to, to be able to use, you know, some of your coursework time to work with an organization like that. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that's a thing with like veterans and academics, uh, a lot of when, when we, I had to do like a seminar course for my field placement. Uh -huh. And when I would tell people about that, they were like, a lot of them just took, especially because of COVID too. Like, you know, I wanted something in person. I was able to do Hunter seven remotely because of the school's COVID policies and stuff, because so many people had pretty much locked up the doors to students. Um, they didn't want right. that extra liability. So it was kind of a blessing in disguise, but, um, but a lot of the, uh, like my fellow students in that seminar course were like, wow, I didn't know anything about toxic exposure. And like, it's so cool that you targeted that and stuff. And they were just taking whatever they could get, you know, they were going to like, which, you know, social workers are needed everywhere, but right. like, they were just, you know, they were going in halfway houses. They were going in, um, you know, clean living facilities. They were, you know, just, just different things. Um, there were a couple pretty unique ones, but like mine, many people commented on mine being, the only one that was like really specific, you know, and they were like, wow, like, it's so cool that you got to work like within your community um, okay. on something that you knew about previously and stuff like that, you know, and I think that's what I'm seeing too with other veterans in different academic areas is like, we're targeted, like we go into an academic program knowing exactly what it is, instead of going to school, and then just kind of like becoming a professional student and trying to figure it out, like, which is cool too. Like, Oh, right. man. especially like if, I mean, if, if you earn the benefits and you have the, the, the funding available to you, that's awesome too. But, um, but, but I think it, it is for sure like a consistent theme that veterans go into academic programs, like with a target, like I want to do this. And a lot of it is super selfless and, and, you know, um, with the goal in mind to, uh, give back to the veteran community, which is really, really cool to see. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I see that more in our population than any, any other population that I deal with in higher education. You know, the focus is there, but it's also like, Hey, I'm going to earn a living and, and go a step forward, but I'm going to help everyone in my community while I'm doing that, you know, yeah, super, super, super powerful, super, super different than in with other populations. So yeah. let me ask you this, man. So, so you're doing all this great stuff academically, but then we need to talk about Dead Reckoning Collective because yeah. you're, you're, you're helping so many veterans discover or rediscover literature, uh, you know, some cornerstone works that, that they just need to, that everyone needs to read, but also other things. And then you, you guys are publishing, like you said, these writers that are doing more than what you know usually confines us by a stereotype so take us to the to the nexus of of, of this like what what was the idea for dead reckoning and and you know where did that come from how did that evolve 
Um, I mean, and evolve is really like the key word. Like Tyler, Tyler and I started the blog. Um, the blog evolved into this, you know. Um, but when when we're talking about like you know it's it's inception, like we we wanted to create a platform uh, for for veterans, you know, for our friends who were spouting off this prolific shit in Facebook statuses and. We know, you know, guys like you and I have been around long enough. Like we've seen like MySpace and Friendster, like these things go away. I don't think for Facebook is, but, uh, and definitely not Instagram, but like, you know, things change, right. And those right. things can get lost. And, uh, where, where I was seeing pretty much like an essay in, in a Facebook post, I'm like, why, you know, this is such a waste. This right. is going to go, this is going to trickle away over the next day or two. Um, and so we were like, you know, how can we push people's voices? Uh, so that was the initial, the initial thing we, you know, we did like spotlights on veteran businesses um, and different things like that. But then we found that there was really a need for a creative writing outlet for veterans um, and, you know, and, and someone to push that. And so that's where we went. And um we initially, uh, as we decided to start publishing, um, we co-authored a, a book of poetry ourselves. And once we did that, uh, we actually used it pretty much as like a test run to fine tune our process, um, creatively and, you know, administratively and all that. Uh, cause we, we figured, you know, it's much better to, to fuck up our own work than somebody else's. So <laughs> Um, you know, that's, uh, and that's what we did. So we've gotten some, some really cool projects under our belts, um, and learned a lot, just continue to try to learn as much as we can. Um, but then we, we get to do cool things like, uh, the poetry compilation that we do. And, uh, we've got another, another pretty cool project like that coming out, but, um, you know, we've got two, two poetry compilations out right now. And, uh, all the proceeds from those go to uh, whatever charity we designate at the time. Right now it is um, Hunter seven foundation. So, um, and then, you know, when we release the next one, then, then we'll, we'll reevaluate and, uh, and rotate that potentially. But, um, but it's a, you know, that's a super cool thing. So, so we get to put people's books out and put money in their pocket, but then we also get to do cool, like philanthropic things like that. That's awesome. That's very awesome. Yeah. And so, for, for the listeners that aren't familiar with you guys, so Tyler's the other half, right? And, and yeah. tell us how you met Tyler and, um, you know, how, how did you guys link up and, and did one of you pitch the idea or was it, or was it like when you were joining the army and you guys both sat on the couch and were like, hey, I'm thinking about this. Hey, so am I. I met Tyler when he was like a buck 50 soaking wet. Uh, <laughs> he was... He was a medic. Uh, we had a mutual friend. Um, he he works in the medic shop uh, at the 173rd with um, this dude Greg, uh, who was a skin from Chicago, uh, and I worked with his wife Nikki, um, who was a punk from Chicago. They got married, um, so I immediately had that like subculture connection with them. Right. Uh, but Tyler and Greg worked together, so I met Tyler and his wife Haley at a. Uh, Chicago style hot dog night that they had at their house. Nice. Um, yeah. And I specifically remember like at the end of the night, like Tyler, Tyler and I got on, like he's a cool kid. 
um, you know, got on like really well. I remember at the end of the night, um, Nikki driving me back to the barracks and uh, Tyler screaming like down the road, like at like demanding the Master Mason password of me. And so that was fun. Um, but like, you know, fast forward a few years, like we saw each other uh, when the 173rd deployed, um, he got hurt, came home early like came back to italy early we got together uh and then we didn't see each other again for like several years uh but he knew that i was starting a blog uh with our friend ryan um you know we had kind of conceived something like that he was like hey i've been writing um you know about getting hurt about losing a friend um can you know would you look at this and that ended up uh his piece about prematurely leaving the battlefield ended up being the first piece that we we ran on the blog um and then he just wanted to be more and more involved. So it was very much, you know, from, from the, the idea, um, it, uh, it was, you know, a, a joint effort. Um, cool. yeah, yeah. Really cool. Um, very cool. And I mean, especially if, if somebody's like, Hey, I'm willing to edit, then you're like, yeah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure. You said the magic words. Yeah. Awesome. So, so, you know, and we've been talking about not only how you guys got started, but you've mentioned a couple of times you guys are publishing and I want to talk about that, but I want you to tell everyone also about some of the workshops you guys are doing. Uh, tell people about some of the workshops and, and where this idea come fr- comes from and, and, you know, who's involved and what your goals are. Yeah, so we did um, our first one that was kind of a test to see exactly how how it would go, um, and also just to get some of our like you know the the friends that we've made um, throughout this together um, to get them uh, you know in the same room. So we did uh, we did an in person workshop uh, in the spring of 2021 um, in Maine, and um, that was it was great. Uh, we workshop several, usually when you're work, workshopping writing, you're, you're, you know, workshopping the same genre. Um, we did two short stories and then, uh, several of the poems that, that went into my new book. Um, and just to kind of break it up and, uh, and it went really, really well. So, uh, we started collaborating, um, and doing different types of things to, fine tune how we could deliver that online. So we actually like super stoked to announce it's the, what, the first week of October. Uh, we just wrapped uh, our first six week workshop course. Very cool. Um, yes. So super, super, super cool. Uh, you know, we had, and we had some names that we knew uh, from social media and stuff uh, and interactions with, with those people. Um, and then we had people that were totally new to us that, that had applied uh, for the workshop and, then, um, you know, we're successful in the, the application process and stuff. Um, we, had, we were overwhelmed with, uh, with applications for, um, for admission to the workshop and, and actually had to dwindle it down a bit. Yeah, it was really, really cool. Um, and it went really well. I think everybody got a lot out of it. Um, we, we had some really good incentives, uh, like, you know, pushing finished pieces that, that were going through the workshop to, to different publications and stuff. Um, so really, really, really great. Um, cause that's the other side of it too, uh, is that, you know, with dead reckoning, we were really adamant about not only just, uh, producing good writing, but also developing good writers. 
Um, and so that was, that was the incentive for us with, uh, with the workshops is that, you know, we want to do workshops and we want to do one-off courses and stuff like that. Um, it, it helps us to, uh, fulfill that, that educational desire. Um, but also, you know, King keeps our, our finger on the pulse of, of who, who is up and coming and who, who we should be paying attention to. Um, because we, we get sent manuscripts all the time as a publishing company, but, um, it may, maybe, maybe a writer sends us something and that's not the best thing that they had. It's just what they want to push at the time, you know? Um, but a a workshop like that, uh, really, really helps us to understand where something's coming from and you know, how, how dedicated they are to the craft too. So it's it's been really cool. That's awesome. And that's, I mean, I couldn't agree more, you know, it's like sometimes if we just are blindly seeing something, we don't get the context, right. And we don't get, like you said, it might not be the person's best piece of writing. It might not be the best representation of that person, but it might just be sitting down with them and seeing something else or, or knowing what their intentions were when they wrote it to be like, okay, wait, there's something here, right? Yeah. It might need to be polished, but there's something here. Yeah. That's awesome. That's all. And I love that you guys for your first workshop picked Maine. I mean, beautiful state. Maine, Maine is cool. Um, we, Definitely picked a good location. We got a, a sweet uh, spot to rent um, where everybody could stay. Um, and we we want to do those in person ones too. We just kind of kind of gotta wait for the world to stop burning and everyone to stop hating each other. Um, that one went pretty smoothly, but we again we knew everyone that was coming. So um, those are the differences in in running those kinds of things right now. Right. Um, right. But. But yeah, it was, it was super cool. And, you know, very much like fact memory, it was a good test run of, you know, how, how these things can go. Um, the, uh, the first online workshop, uh, we had, uh, Jessica Danger teach, um, and she did, so she, she led the workshop, but she, there was also like assigned reading and, you know, discussion posts and stuff, which are, um, you know, just as beneficial to the, the group, uh, group sessions, uh, you know, that were, that were hosted weekly. So, um, everybody had really cool stuff to work on. And, uh, and I think there were, there were some solid bonds formed, you know, that was the coolest part of, uh, watching the workshop conclude was everybody was like exchange making sure they, they all had contact info and setting up different channels so that they could continue to, uh, exchange feedback and stuff. Um, That's excellent. Yeah. And I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to get the exact same thing uh, out of something informal like that, but you're, you're going to continue to have those, like those peer relationships where you could send something to someone, you know, I I have a whole pocket of them where I can, I can send a paragraph to somebody and say like, is this worth the shit? And, and get, you know, honest to God, like you drop it, Um, you know, that kind of feedback. Right. Right. And that's, I mean, that's, I think that's powerful. That's, that's where I, I think I work the best is like, if you're working on something, I'm working on something and it might not, it doesn't have to be the same thing, but it can be. And it's like, okay, I've got this. What do you have? And just that kind of cyclical collaboration of, yeah, keep this. No, don't keep this. Okay. Let's look at yours. I, there's something about that energy that I think is, is just pushes things along in a way that if you were just doing it on your own, it might not get pushed. You know it's I mean? like deploying, man. You wouldn't do it with just anyone. You do it with the people that you train up to deploy, you know, and to deploy with. And you, um, because uh, like I tell people all the time and, you know, there's a reason we also, we, we don't 
we get messages on Instagram and stuff all the time of people saying like, Hey, what do you think of this? Can't do it. Sorry, dude. Um, if, if we responded to, uh, to every single, and we have it in the FAQ section, you know, do you guys, do you guys give feedback? Um, we'll give feedback for specific things like the, the submissions on those, uh, you know, the workshop applications, but like, otherwise, like we can't respond to every Instagram message with a poem, you know, that you took a whack at, but like, I would love to, I would love if, if that was sustainable, I would love to, but like, I'm not going to be able to give you good feedback, uh, because I'm number one, I'm not invested in it. Um, and number two, like the editorial eye is so fickle. Like I only have so many hours in a day. Uh, there are, there are times when like we're working heavier on different projects and, you know, I'm busy with school and stuff like that. And like, I cannot read for myself. Like I can't read a book. Right. Um, right. you know, that's hard because I'm not, I'm not going to get anything out of it. I'm going to be like thinking about stuff while I'm reading. I'm not actually going to be retaining anything from the pages or digesting it. Um, so when, but I think that's an important thing for people to understand, like, especially if you're just starting out in writing is that, um, you need to find some kind of outlet and that's what we're trying to provide with the workshops, but you need to find some kind of, uh, community or individual that you can send stuff to. Because if, if you send someone like several pieces of writing at a time and they're like, oh, it's great. Oh, this is really good. Or like, oh, it's bad. Like that's not feedback. That's just right. like a judge, you know, you, you can't, you're not going to get anything out of that. Feedback is, is when someone actually sits down and like marks the shit out of the page. Right. Um, you know, when I give you feedback, like it will, it will be substantial. So I think that's uh, important for people to understand. And that's something that we're kind of trying to uh, bridge the gap on. Um, the other cool part of the, the workshop series is the, it's the, the one thing so far that we have offered uh, civilian participation. in. So our, our publication is only for veterans, um, which is unfortunate because we have like a lot of uh, civilian counterparts, you know, and even like military family members who will reach out to us um, just to confirm like, oh, you're not, you're not working with civilians. And like, unfortunately, we're not. That's, you know, kind of part of our, our whole mission. Um, but with the workshops, we also found that it was a way for us to bridge that gap. Um, right. and it was like one opportunity where we could, uh, we could offer, you know, a portion of our slots to civilians so that like I was talking about, you know, with school earlier, it is like your first social interaction with like, you know, assimilation, like as a, <laughs> as a member of, you know, a functional member of society again. So it's, uh that that part was really cool as well that's awesome that's awesome and, and right that's perfect to have that because sometimes veterans kind of over fetishize that you know sieve mill divide and then sometimes it's there for a reason but the only way to to get around it is to bring people together and have that conversation and you know look at work and and bring a different set of eyes that mm. you know people could help each other uh, with different perspectives and different, you know, from the only thing that life experience can bring, right? Yep. Excellent. So since we're talking about writing and books and all this stuff, let's let's talk about yours. You just had one yeah. release, and I wish I could tell. I wish I could give you an awesome segue, but I pre-ordered it and I, I got the notification that it's on its way, which I'm pumped about. But I have yes. not had a chance. So, I mean, geez, what better what better source to hear it from than 
the person who wrote it. So tell us, tell us about your new drop, man. Yeah, man. I'm super excited about it. Um, been working on it for a minute. Um, and it's, uh, it really, you know, like I said, the, the other published work that I have out, um, as far as books, uh, is fact memory and that's, Tyler and I, you know, so we, we very much collaborated on what types of poems um, were going to go in there and what the theme was and, and things like that. And this is, this is mine. This is me. Um, so I really try to do it in like a, uh, a crawl, walk, run phase through, through my life. Um, and, and it's pretty cool. Um, got some, got some cool people saying some cool things about it. And, awesome. Um, but it's uh it's all poetry um i kind of kind of preface the whole thing with a like a brief introduction um and and it's all but it's all poetry um it kind of kind of sticks to the same uh same verse forms that i used a bit of in fact memory um but i really didn't explore too too much else there's there's not a lot of variance of uh poetic form or structure um and I, I love the way that it turned out. Uh, I also did the artwork on it. Um, oh, and I'm cool. just, yeah, just pumped. Um, just pumped on, on the way that it turned out. So um, we are uh, pretty much sold out of the pre-orders. That's excellent. Um, really, yeah, Congratulations. super cool. Yeah, thank you. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a, something that I can definitely hang my hat on. Um, and was out everywhere October 1st, October 4th right now. I don't know when this right. is go, but, um, but yeah, so you can get it on Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, wherever, wherever you can get books, it's, it's there. Um, and then we also have, we still have a few uh, of the, the limited edition prints um, on our website. So very nice. Very, 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 very nice. And so with this book do you plan on getting it well you know with with the world being it what it is right now do, yeah. do you plan or can you plan to kind of promote at all or, or yeah going- we've got we've got some things going on um we have uh luke ryan is also um one of our, our newer signed authors um and he's got a book called the first marauder uh, it's the first of, of three in a series. Uh, it's kind of like a post-apocalyptic uh, novel series. And um, he's got that one uh, available for pre-order now, uh, as well as um, the official release uh, next month. So, or sorry, at the end of the month, cool. uh, end of October. So we're going to be doing a, um, on the 30th, we're going to be doing a, uh, a signing and reading at the black rifle store, uh, in San Antonio. Um, so we've got, we've got some things lined up like that, but it is, I mean, it is hard, uh, to do readings and and things like that. Um, I've been tapping into more virtual readings than usual, um, which has been cool because you get to see, uh, the older literary couples, which I think is super inspiring. Like, I went, to, I did one like virtual reading and it was like three, uh, it was like the Portsmouth poet lawyer group. And they, there were like three different, like elderly couples all like in their little, you could see them in the zoom and they were like in their library and like, just sitting like, you know, bunched up together. 
Um, and I'm like, that's what you do. That's so cool. Um, so different things like that. Um, but you know, otherwise just, just kind of trying to make those things happen because it's different everywhere you go in the country. Um, as far as, you know, event planning and stuff, you know, you know, better than anybody. Um, you know, we, we, I think we first kind of put our heads together on the, uh, the workshop or the, the seminar convention yes st leo's convention brian turner right right brian turner right. was supposed to go and then that was when everything caught fire like, got crazy right yeah right. got super crazy and yeah you're right i had to i had a whole uh, laundry list of things I, I was emailing people like oh sorry we gotta wait you know it's gonna mm-hmm. you know at that point it was like oh we're gonna push it back a couple months it's a nightmare dude right I'm, I'm i'm stoked right. that like event planning is not our main gig <laughs> right right and we ended up we you know we ended up doing that but it, it had to be via zoom but it's funny yeah. that you're mentioning you know some of these people that are showing up because that's how i felt with brian turner you had a, a lot of people who were probably very similar to you and i then you had a lot of people who were just into writing and then you, looking at the zoom screen there was a whole bunch of older uh, people that they were just, they just wanted to know about the nucleus of his ideas and inspiration. So you could just tell they were into crafting stories or they appreciated it at least, you know? Uh, yeah. It was, it was really cool, but not the same as being in person. It is what it is, man. That's right. That's right. We're just doing, doing, everybody's doing whatever they can. That's right. So listen, man, I want to be respectful of your time, but what do you have going on? I mean, other than this book dropping is very huge, but what, what could the people expect to see out of you or, you know, DRC as a whole in, in the near future? Uh, we got a lot of cool things. Let's, we'll, we'll break down a list and I'm going to do it off the top of my head because usually I'll write stuff down, but I figured we'd just have a cool conversation. So we got my book. Uh, awesome. Karmic Purgatory is out on the website. Um, and then, like I said, on all sales channels, um, all, all of our books are available on our website, but also pretty much anywhere you can buy books. Um, uh, so we got that for poetry. Um, we have Luke's book, The First Marauder, uh, is available for pre-order starting today. Uh, the official re- release will be uh, the end of the month when we have that um uh, signing and reading in uh, San Antonio at the Black Rifle Coffee Shop. Um, we have Wars of Racket, uh, which is the first Smelly of the Butler. critical classic series. Yeah, Smedley Butler. A lot of people are pissed off, which is cool. Um, and so uh, <laughs> the... <laughs> And again, you know, that's the, the critical classics, uh, we're, we're publishing this series of, you know, older books, um, with, you know, face like cosmetic facelifts, but also with, um, you know, contributions from, from new voices. Uh, so this was the first one that we did. Um, and that one's available for pre-order right now as well. Uh, and it'll start shipping, I think mid month. Um, but we, are doing them because, you know, it's a way for us to reintroduce like classic literature or, you know, in this case, controversial literature that like otherwise kind of got buried. And right. 
but so it's those still classics timeless. Are super cool. So, but like, I mean, yeah, it's it's every. I mean, almost everything it. he wrote there is is it can be applied, you know, to to the War Machine today, right? Yeah, and we have uh, we you know for that one we got a, a forward um, from Thomas Schumann, who if you you know if you're familiar with, um, have you had him on? I have not. Oh man. Yeah. You'll, you'll have to get on that one. Um, okay. Super fun guy to talk to. He's from the South side of Chicago. Uh, he is just a really passionate, um, motivated leader, you know? Um, and he is running a, uh, a, a retreat called PB Abate. Um, right. It's kind of doubling as like an external community, um, and it's, it, you know, everything that he's doing is really cool. We, we reached out to him. He's a, he's, he refers to himself as a Butler, uh, disciple. Um, and so we reached out to him to do the forward, uh, he obliged. So we, we were lucky enough to, to grab his words and, uh, and rope them into that. But, um, but definitely cool, you know, to give a, a piece, piece of work like that. Um, it's just a bit of a facelift and, uh, going to push back into circulation. Um, so uh, we've got a couple other cool ones. I can't say at all what they are, but some cool books with some awesome. cool covers, some cool merchandise to go with it, some cool forwards and introductions and stuff by cool people. You guys will all like whatever it is. Um, and then when we're, when we're done with those, then you'll have a cool set of um, older books with a, a nice new facelift. That's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. Man. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. And so the listeners know when, when we release this on our website and when I, you know, do a push on social media, we'll, we'll include your link. So your book and then all the, the books you guys are publishing or going to publish, they will have a direct link to order those and support you guys yeah. directly. Excellent. Sure, I got to send you another email then. <laughs> Oh, any anything for the good of the order, man? Anything you can think of as we're as we're parting here, man? Just do better. I see see so many people settling, um, and you know, just keep keep learning, keep reading, keep doing whatever you need to do to be better and and uh, you know, be better for yourself, be better for your family, and be be better for the world. Keep going. Excellent. 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 Pompous ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's excellent, man. Yeah. Hey, so thank you so much for being on today. I, I mean, this, this is excellent. And I think, you know, if the learn or if the guests have not, if they did not know about you before, I think that they've learned a lot, not only about you, but you know, this organization that you've helped create and all the great things that you guys are doing. So thanks so much for being on, man. Thank you so much for having me. Definitely Absolutely. been a long time coming, you know, conversation longer, longer than 10 minutes with screen kids. So. <laughs> Absolutely. It's been, been great. Excellent. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host, Dr. Luke McLeese, and this is Veterans and Academics. And today we have been talking with Keith Dow of the Dead Reckoning Collective. And as he mentioned, you can get his book, which has been out since October 1st. And we will include a link when we post this uh, episode. Thanks, everyone, for the support, and thanks always for supporting our guests. Until next time. 
We thank all of you for listening. Veterans in Academics is an all-veteran production of Freedom and Prosperity Think Tank. Content creation is brought to you by Dr. Luke McCleese and Dr. Michael Bevers. Web development is by Osvaldo Vargas.